Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in uh, verse 3, but I'm going to back up to verse 1. So uh, let's stand together and we'll read our text this morning. We're going to cover the first 12 verses. We were here last week, the Christmas message. <laughs> so beginning in verse 1, Paul writing and he says this, Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by uh, word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the Son of Man is revealed, the Son of Perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, or I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among, listen, those who perish because they did not believe the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion, and they uh, should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You may be seated. Looking at that, you notice I made some emphasis, and we'll talk about that at the very end. But we come to a place to where we see this, you know, in a world today we see deception is everywhere. It doesn't even need to disguise itself or hide itself. It's just out there. And people are believing. I wish people would listen to themselves. You know, especially those people that get airtime on TV or on the news. Just just stop for a second and listen to yourself <laughs> and listen to what you're saying. But the deception in the church of Thessalonica was that to which they were told by others, by letter or by word or by the Spirit, somebody coming by saying that they were living in this tribulation period. And because that they were going through difficult times and times of hardships and times of persecution, they figured, well, it's all adding up. It must be. And so that they began to believe in a sense or open their ear gates to the sense that all these troubled times must equate that I'm going through the tribulation. And, and, and listen, troubled times are things that line up that you might think that, oh, this is good or that's good or it must be because it lines up. If it doesn't agree with God's word, then it isn't so. God's word trumps everything that goes out there. Everything that goes on in the world today. And so we have to, re, you know, just go back to the Word of God. What is He saying? 
And so this is a case that Paul was saying, if you were living through the tribulation period, you're not going to have any hope. There's going to be little or no hope. I don't know about you, but I never look forward to or having hope when my dad, this was back in the day when this was, I don't know if it was legal, but it happened, when he took his belt off. And he pondered, I had no hope, right? Nowadays, that corner, that's that corner, or it's that, I'm going to take this away. But anyway, so there was little or no hope. Well, that's like the tribulation. There's not any hope in that. Well, I mean, what hope is there that you're going to have this, you know, this Christ-rejecting wrath coming upon the world, or, you know, the wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world? What hope is there? And so Paul is getting this church back on track. He's giving them that hope. He's reminding them to refocus their sight in what God has, what God has said, what God's desire is for the church and for his people. And so he's, you know, putting things back in order. And so here he's going to uh, bring out three things that will take place prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I have five kind of points that help me keep rolling along. Three of them are a necessity that you'll see that that need to take place before the second coming. So let's begin in verse 1. Paul says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be shaken. That means agitated or be tossed around in mind or in trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letters, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So the Lord wanted uh, the church of Thessalonica to be confident and to know, don't worry, you haven't missed, you haven't missed the rapture. <laughs> I'd be thankful for that. Uh, you know, so he wants them to be confident. Look, I'm going to take you home, says the Lord, and I'm going to deliver you from the wrath that is to come. That's the promise. Jesus took the wrath that was due to our sin upon himself. And so, when you think about today, people that are saying, well, I'll just stand up for my own self, it's kind of scary because you can never do and accomplish what Jesus accomplished. And so we come to this point to where he wants us to be confident that he's going to deliver not only the Thessalonian church, but those who believe in him from the wrath that is to come. And he wants us to be confident as well. There's that ability to stand upon the solid rock, to understand that no matter what comes upon us, no matter what waves, you know, tear through the, the, the world around us, that we are going to be confident in the things that he says. And he's not the author of confusion, right? And we're, we're to be confident in many things. I think he wants us to be confident in being saved. You know, I've had guys call me uh, and say, uh, you know what, I walked away from the Lord. I don't know if I'm even saved anymore. You know, they're not confident in their salvation or they're, you know, they're not confident. People, Christians will lose confidence that the Lord loves them and he continues to love them. They lose confidence that he will, they will, you know, that he will always be with them, that he will never forsake them, right? He, that's, we can have confidence in that no matter what we're going through. And he wants us to have confidence in this thing. But here at the church of Thessalonica, he wanted them to be confident that they haven't missed the rapture, and that confidence brings the confidence that they won't have to go through the wrath that is to come. So real fast, let me remind you and bring some clarity. Being delivered from the wrath of God doesn't mean that we'll, we won't face opposition. It doesn't mean that we're not going to see times of extreme hardships even unto death, but we'll be saved from and spared from the wrath that Jesus is going to pour out on this Christ-rejecting world. I mean, today, two days ago, an article in the Fox News reported that even ISIS 
two days ago was killing many Christians in Nigeria. So you see that. That's not the wrath of God. That's the wrath of man. It's the ugliness of man, the sin of man. And it's the rebellion against Christ and against his church. So let's begin in verse uh, 3, because we covered this last week, but it gives us a running start. The first thing that will take place uh, that we see before the second coming, not before the rapture necessarily, but before the second coming, is uh, the great falling away. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And he's saying, don't be deceived. You know, right now the church had just begun in, in Thessalonica. The church was growing. People were trusting in the Lord, though the false teachers were coming in, and they were trying to misrepresent Paul, misrepresent Jesus, no doubt about it. But he says, I want you to be confident in this, that that day will not come. That falling, unless that the falling away uh, is actually apostasy, and it's a defection from the truth, unless that takes place first. And in our lifetime, we've seen a lot of this, haven't we? We've seen a lot of this, a great apostasy taking place before our own eyes. Many people are not only opposing Jesus and the Word of God, but they're creating Him in their own image. I mean, it's interesting to see the things that are taking place. So when you create God in your own own image, you become the God and He becomes the idol. But we're seeing this uh, in our world today. And, And as if, though... Uh, you know, they're making him to be somebody that he's not. You guys have probably seen this already, that uh, Netflix has, has created a gay Jesus. Oh, there's a cancellation. There's a couple over there and a couple over there. <laughs> no, it's sad, is it not? It's sad to see even Hallmark, sorry, even Hallmark is coming up against uh, opposition because they had a commercial where two lesbians were kissing on the commercial. And so now they're saying they, they pulled it because of the, uh, the, a lot of the signatures that were, that were sent in and the uproar. They say, what are you doing? Well, Hallmark had to retract that and they're putting that commercial back in. And now the push is to get, uh, more gender sensitive things, even on the goody two shoes, the story you ever know, you always know in the movies and Hallmark. So th- these are the things that are taking place. But sadly, many churches and denominations have walked away from the truth because they have to, in order to keep their their budgets filled and their pews full. Really, that's the thing. They don't want to see people go, and for the sake of the truth, if you're mentioning the blood, you're mentioning sin, or you're mentioning something, they're going to say, you know, well, I'm out of here. I'm going to go where they kind of put a little sugar in it. It make me feel better. You don't make me feel too good. (laughs) You know, others denominations as well as people have gotten together, they voted for sin or the sinful lifestyles to be accepted in, in, in the lives of Christians when the courts of heaven have already settled it. And so, you know, how soon it is that we seem to have forgotten that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. And as I pointed out, this uh, emphasis here is not on a great falling away, it's on the great falling away. And I think that this the makes it more significant because a great falling away, it's not a great falling away, but the falling away, I believe it, it really comes into the point of the great and final rebellion. If we're not seeing that today, I think that's setting the stage. And it refers to a time when people are openly and defiantly living their lives according to their own desires. And at the same time, they're rejecting truth. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting Jesus. And they don't care. 
It's interesting to see some of the people that have their YouTube shows or their vlogs or whatever they'll put out there, and they'll ask people questions of why they're upset or why they're rejecting truth, and they don't know. It just seems to be it's in their own heart. It's just hatred. And Jesus is here to, to, to love on them with open arms and say, you know what, I have a, a desire to save you. I have a desire to walk with you. I have a desire to, you know, to see you in heaven. But it's open and defiantly living according to their own ways. It's a revolt, I think a departure and an abandoning of a position that was once held. This rebellion will take place I believe it's, it's within the professing church and it's going to show a great departure of the truth that God has revealed in his word. Listen, we have his word. You'll never get tired of it. I, I've told this story, but when we first started the church up here, one of the pastors asked me, he said, um, he's not a pastor anymore, he's long gone. So, But, but he asked me, he said, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to teach the word. He goes, why are you going to do that? I said, because that's all I know. He says, too much of, too much of the worship and they blow up. Too much of the word and they dry up. Now that, well, I don't know what to do, but give them the word. Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. And we have a responsibility in that, right? We have a responsibility to take care of that. And so there's great falling away uh, from that position that was once held, that the church has. We have the blessing of, of his word right before us and to feed his sheep. It's not about me. You know, I pray often, Lord, get me out of the way. Our leadership, get us out of the way. Let them see you. Let them see Jesus because you're here not to meet with me or hear a sermon. You're here to hear the word of God. And I pray that the word of God would find room in our hearts. And with that great falling away, it's clearly being seen before our eyes. But I think it's only going to get worse as it goes on and, and, and faster, more, more, uh, dominant in the fact that you know we don't need christ anymore we don't need his word let us live the way we want to live remember in in uh sam samuel i believe it is where it says even israel wanted to live like all other nations give us a king we don't want god to rule over us we just want to live like everybody else lives and then the second thing so you have the great falling away the second thing is you have that that will take place now listen before the second coming, not before the rapture, before the second coming is the man of sin will be revealed. In verse 3 it says, again, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Listen, with everything taking place in the world today, you can see things lining up. I mean, it's interesting. We don't know what's happening with America, but you can see all of this stuff that's going on. The European conglomerate that's taking place, the Russia coming down and, and, you know, from the north. But all these things are kind of clear except for one. And that is the identity of who will take charge during the tribulation, the Antichrist. This son of perdition, you know, is going to be revealed in his time, in the Lord's time. But listen, I don't think that he has to be identified by the church. I've heard a lot of... Uh, uh, Prophecy updates, you know, in the past where people will try and say this guy fits or that guy fits or this person fits or the Pope or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you know, I don't think that we, the church, have to be looking to reveal the Antichrist. I think that we have one we're looking to be looking for, and that is Jesus Christ to meet him in the clouds. And so he will have, he this time will come 
when the Antichrist will be revealed, and he will be revealed, and, and we'll see that this only one event that needs to take place before he is revealed, and he's the rapture of the church, because then there's chaos. After the rapture, he makes himself known publicly, globally, after a three and a half year hiatus when he says, I'm going to fix this world problems, and then he goes into the temple and acts as God and breaks a covenant with Israel. So this isn't some new teaching now that the church has been established. This son, I always want to say the, the man, the son of man, this man of sin has always wanted to be God. This has been his desire. He just wanted to be elevated. He wanted to be exalted. And he was kicked out of heaven for rebelling against God. He's always wanted to be God to be worshipped as such. And Paul reminds him, he says, you know what? He's going to be revealed. And revealed means to take the cover off. You're going to see him. There's no doubt about it. You're going, you, the peop, there will be people going through the tribulation that will be able to identify him. Look out for this. And you'll see this again at the end of our text here. But they... Paul is pointing out that they, you haven't missed out on the, on, on the rapture. You haven't seen this take place. You haven't seen these things take place yet. So what we're, we're, we won't be looking for in the church. You're not going to be looking for where is the man of sin because we're ready to meet Jesus. I know the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, but there are those who are left behind where these events during the great tribulation by those who haven't put their faith in Christ and they're not walking with Christ. It doesn't mean a churchgoer. It doesn't mean a congregant. It doesn't mean, hey, I, I signed up to be a member of that church. You have to be a member of heaven and a member in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those are the things that keep you out of the out of hell and out of the great tribulation for that last generation. See, the unsaved world will be looking for the man that has many answers. When things take place, there's going to be this catastrophic event that takes place at the rapture. But as for the church, we who believe have found the, the, the son of God and all the answers in his name is Jesus. There's going to be, imagine when the, the rapture takes place. I hope you're saved when you're on the operating table and I hope your doctor's saved when he's raptured and you're sitting there with your, whatever your gut or your, <laughs> Your heart laying it up on the operating table. I hope that you're saved. And I hope that he's saved. Because I want him to be out of here too. Because that would be a trip if you're out of here. And he's like, where did my heart go? Where do my, you know, where do these things go? But can you imagine the airline pilots going down? You know, uh, if you want to land safely, ask the guy, hey, are you saved? No, I'm not saved. Okay, good. Because I want to land safely when, you know, when the rapture comes. Well, that means you're not saved. But the unsaved world, they're going to be looking for this man that has all the answers. He's going to show up on a scene. He's going to be in that place. He's going to put himself in that place to where he can be identified to where he's always wanted to be. He wants the attention. He wants people to look at him. He wants the praise of man. That's what he always wants. And there will be a time when a man of sin, the son of perdition, is revealed. You know, it's interesting because the son of perdition, this phrase is only used one time before. It was in John chapter 17, verse 12. Judas Iscariot was given the same after the devil had entered his heart or entered him. He says in John chapter 12, while I was still with them, Jesus said, in the world, I kept them in your name and those who you gave me, I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. So this, this is a very serious person, but once again, 
to not ever have to meet him is to know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And so look at some of the characteristics or motives of the Antichrist. Look at verse 4. It says, who opposes? He opposes, and this is uh, to lie opposite of, and exalts himself. That means to raise oneself above another. Above all that is called God or that is worshipped, and we know that only God is worshipped, so that he sits as God. This is his heart. is where he's always wanted to be. He sits as God in the temple, showing, showing himself that he is God. Again, he's trying to get on earth what he longed for in heaven. But it's not happening. And this is the one who is going to attract the attention of the unsaved. He still tries to do that today. And when, when the beginning begins to fall out of the world as we know it, the, the man with the plan is going to show up on the scene. And he's going to show up like, hey, I've got all the answers. And those who are living during this time, during this great tribulation, they're going to want answers. The only thing they don't want is they don't want to come to God. They still, during the tribulation, there, there's a big whooping going on in the world with the wrath of God being poured out, and they still don't want to come to God. And so here is this, this man who's in opposition to God, wanting to have things his own way, wanting to be exalted above God. And he's always been that, he's always had that desire. It's always been the desire of Lucifer. And, and it's his desire for people today, God's creation, to worship him rather than the creator. He wants to steal the attention off of God. And he doesn't matter what he, how he points it, uh, or how he pictures it, how he paints it, what it looks like. But if he can just get men today, maybe by giving them free dope, or free housing, Maybe by, there's no faith required. Maybe by giving them things and not having to look to God for provision, you can look to man. Maybe by something where faith isn't required. Remember when Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find, listen, the faith on the earth. The faith, those trusting in God. Those who are giving their, giving their lives to God. Will he find that faith on the earth? Listen, he, speaking of Lucifer, didn't get his way in heaven again, so he's trying to get it on earth, to get his way on earth. And he is his way is to get, keep people from Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You walked away from him. Or maybe you just have never been serious about him. You're playing right into his hand. Playing right into the hand of the devil. And he wants the attention that you should be giving Jesus to be put upon himself. They say, well, I'm not a devil worshiper. I don't go around worshiping the devil. Well, if you're not worshiping God, which side are you? There's only two sides. There's saints and there ain't. Right? Remember in Daniel chapter 7, these things are going to come, come to place. He's not getting his way. He didn't get his way in heaven, so he's going to try and get his way on earth. Daniel chapter 7, speaking of the devil, it says, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High and shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times in the law. If this prophecy is coming true. And, and what's happening, even in the, uh, what this speaks about is that little horn in, in the book of Daniel, this little horn, the book of Revelation, it'll talk about all this, the little horn in this European conglomerate who will be trying to change the times and the seasons to rebuild their kingdom during the Great Tribulation. It's all being set up now. We're looking at the lawlessness happening now, but there's still a restrainer, and we'll get to that. They can only do what they can only do. 
And then it says in Daniel 7.25, Then the saints shall be given into his hand, this is the tribulation saints, for a time and a time and a half of times. You see, the power of this little horn over the saints is limited. It takes place for three and a half years. This time when he sets up his kingdom, he walks into the temple. He proclaims to be God. He breaks into a peace treaty with Israel. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have this time to where really the, the tribulational saints of Revelation chapter 6 are crying out, how much longer? How much longer? These are during the tribulation. People that are coming to the Lord, though, they're, they're few and it's difficult. Uh, you know, they say, how much longer? And remember the voice that says, just hang on just a little while longer. This stuff's got to take place, but he's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you there forever. So the phrase is used in Revelation. It refers to this half of the last seven period, seven year period, or or the 70, 70th week of Daniel. And so the one that's going to be revealed is the one who tries ever so hard to cause division now. It's interesting, right? We don't see the battles. We don't see Satan. I've seen some pretty demonic things in my life uh, and, and in my my dreams or waking up in the middle of the night. But, you know, we don't see him. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. You never see them. I mean, if so, we'd like to knock him out. <laughs> we can't do that. And the battle isn't ours anyway. But anyway, there, we have this thing where he wants to cause division. Now, you ever notice who wants to cause division between husband and wife or brother or sister? You know, why is that? Because he hates unity. He hates what Christ has accomplished on the cross. So if he can take that unity and he can just kind of just break it out and cause division between husband and wife or brother and sister, or parent and child, then he's one around, if you will. And so the one thing that, that's going to be revealed is the same one, this, this one. And he's the same one that causes division today, conflict today. And he's the same one who moves in the lives of Christians and tries to get them to be in this state of depression or anger, confusion. He doesn't want you to have a rock solid faith. He doesn't want you to be in the word. He doesn't want you to be in prayer. He doesn't want you to be in fellowship. He doesn't want any of those. He doesn't want inviting you inviting people to church or to come to Christ. Listen, Revelation chapter 13 verse 6 it says, then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blasphemy his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over the tribe, tongues, and nations. So here you have this point here that even Isaiah talks about him being Lucifer in his sentence. This is kind of his resume. All right? Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of morning. So you want to follow him? Oh, uh, how, how you are cut down to ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, listen to the I wills. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the, the heights of the clouds. I will be like the, the, the most high. You see, he wanted to be exalted. He wanted to be lifted up. But God's going to take care of him. Verse 15, it says, Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, in the lowest depths of the pit. So he may say and make a statement. He may say that he wants to destroy your life. 
He may have a bounty out for you, which he does. <laughs> but you and I have to understand that God's going to take care of him, and I'm not worried about it. I can walk in confidence in that, and every Christian should have confidence that we can trust in the Lord. Listen, this period in verse 4 speaks of the abomination of desolations. Zechariah tells us of this worthless leader who will turn on the nation of Israel. Zechariah uh, chapter 11 says this, For indeed, I will raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are cut off. He's always, God's telling you, look, there's going to be somebody coming, and he's not going to care, he won't care for you. Nor seek the young, nor heal those who, uh, nor heal those that are broken, nor feed those who, stay, who still stand. But he will eat the flesh of the fat and tear their hooves in pieces. Woe to the worthless shepherd! And again, this is the one who wants your praise and mine. This is the one who's advocating to get sit, sitting up as God. Woe to the worthless shepherd, God calls him, who leaves the flock. A sword shall be against his arm and against his right hand. His arm shall completely wither, and his right eye shall be totally blinded. This is a clear warning. I think when we read these words and we put it in context of where he's talking about, to those who uh, reject the gift of salvation today, they're rejecting God. It's a clear warning. Because they have to go, those who will go through this great tribulation. Look, if you die now, and you think, well, if I die now, then I'll just be done with it. I won't have to go through the tribulation if the rapture came today. No, because hell is no better. Right? So you're not going to escape the wrath of God when you have hell. This is a precursor. This is like the, like the prelude, if you will. You know? And so he's just he's out here and he's saying, listen, understand this. That God says Satan is a, he's a, uh, a worthless leader and he will never improve on his leadership. He's only continuing in his deceptive ways to get you to think that you're okay without being committed to Jesus Christ, without being in love with God, without needing God. That's what he wants. That's what he wants everyone to do. And anyone who rejects Jesus Christ today, in reality, is saying that they'll follow his plan for their life. Because there's one plan that leads to heaven, right? And there's many plans there's many off-roads you think about traveling i love traveling I, I'm, I'm ready for a road trip at any time i tell my wife uh you ready for a road trip she says i'm ready for a nap when you talk about the road trip but you know when you go down the road and you think you got you get all these signs and they say at this exit there's you know mcdonald's or starbucks or in and out or whatever it is and and then you, you keep going down the road and you go this and you got gasoline here and you got hotels here and well that's what satan does he tempts you to get off the road he gets you get off that straight and narrow path. And he opens up all of these other things out there and says, one of these you're going to be running low on gas and you're going to have to pull over. One of these you're going to have, you know, and it's like, no, 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 I'll just keep praying. God will provide and he'll, you know, make it happen. But it's a clear warning. Listen, there's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to have your sins forgiven. It's through Jesus Christ. And by rejecting Jesus is accepting what Satan wants you to do. It's accepting his plan. And you're playing right into his plan for your life, not God's plan. And again, during this three and a half year tribulation, the Antichrist will be known as this great political leader, gaining attention and admiration of the world. And then he will be revealed because he turns on by breaking the covenant with Israel. He turns on them, but he's going to be revealed. As for the church, we have the Holy Spirit. 
We have the Holy Spirit, and He's guiding us, and He's teaching us. We have the Word of God. And it wouldn't be too hard for us to discern when the temple is finished. And we go over to Israel, going again in November if you want to go. But, you know, we see when when the temple is finished, and you walk up on the Temple Mount. Well, I wonder if that Dome of the Rock Moss is going to have to be gone, or, or if they're going to put it on the other side, or wherever it is. But here's the thing is, that temple will be built. Israel, much of Israel thinks that they are the temple, by the way. They think that they're the temple, the nation. And, and, and an interesting side note is that the Jews, Christians, and Muslims are all believing in a, in a soon return of their Messiah or their, their Savior. So the Islam are thinking of the 12 Mahdi's going to come, or one of the Mahdi's, whoever's coming. And, and Jesus also they're expecting to come, but he's just a great prophet. And so everybody, there's this anticipation that their, their Messiah is coming. The Jews are expecting the second coming of Christ, but they had it mixed up with his first coming. And so they, they got to understand that the rapture will take place first, and then the second coming of Christ will come. But and then he'll set up his kingdom. But listen, these things are all there. Everybody's expecting something, but there's only one truth. There's not many truths. There's one truth. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus Christ is coming. In the church, we have the Holy Spirit. And we know that, you know, we don't have to, we, we would discern if the temple was being built. And we would also see this political, political figure entering the temple. And this is why we have to be out of the way. Hello, rapture, goodbye world. Right? And we have plenty of people, again, who, who may qualify, or many of candidates that people put out there and say, well, this, this could be the Antichrist. Or, Look, there's the Antichrist. But we spend too much time looking to reveal who the Antichrist is, and it's a waste of time. I just say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We live in the Northwest. He said, I'm coming in the clouds. <laughs> I'm excited every day. <laughs> but see, in reality, the entire world system is push, pushing Christ out of the picture and inserting things like the teaching of homosexuality or the Quran or selfism is the norm. Right? Speaking on the subject of selfism, I have this kind of this ribbon that they make out and it's it says i am my own anti-drug you ever heard of that well it, it's it's a campaign and the goal is to help teens i get this trust me it's to help teens to uh stand up against negative pressures and influences that are out there and it gets them prepared more to talk to face them including the pressure of the use of drugs and alcohol and whatever else out there it's above the influence listen I, the campaign i get the awareness but relying on self, it'll never happen. You realize, you know what happened when I relied on self? I became a 14-year drug addict. I relied on self. I can do it. I'll never do that. Then the next thing Paul says, this is, doesn't have to take place, but the next thing Paul says in verse 5, he says, do you not remember that I was still with you when I, uh, when I told you these things? Again, the teaching was nothing new to the Thessalonians. Here you have Paul who taught them that the day of the Lord, of the day of the Lord, when he was with them. A brand new church. Young Christians. Maybe you're young in here this morning. You're going, what is all this prophecy about? Check it out, Paul. Three weeks, three Sabbaths in Thessalonica telling them about that. You see, when, when, when Paul was talking to them, they weren't looking on Facebook or on their apps while Paul was teaching. They weren't looking to get airplane tickets or falling asleep or surfing the net or any of that stuff. They were paying attention but they may have forgotten. Listen, Paul's reminding them. For the first time, Paul says, you know, in this letter, hey, I personally taught you these things. 
It is so important that as we're taught that we're paying attention. And he says, listen, he said in order to emphasize the truth and the importance of this message, Paul, as he's writing this letter, he didn't regard prophetic truth as being too deep or or unimportant or controversial for new Christians. Listen, he believed that it was a vital part of the whole counsel of God's word. So he taught it without hesitation or without apology. Listen, it's important to our lives. Then look at verse 6. Because in verse 6, it's a continuation of verse 5. And this needs to be taken place before the second coming. He says, uh, it, it says it's a restrainer needs to be removed. Look at verse 6. And now you know. So it's very well known within the church. You should know this. And now you know, and it should be no mystery to us today, what is restraining? That he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery or the hidden truths of lawlessness is already at work. And we see that today. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So there's something that's keeping that, uh, you know, restraining him, the Antichrist, from being revealed. And so anyone who thinks you have the scoop on, I know who the Antichrist is, <laughs> forget about it. You know, forget about it because uh, he won't be revealed until this time. And, and there will be a time when he will have things his own way for a short time. It's not going to be forever. He's going to have this short engagement before he's put on blast. You know, well, that's modern day, uh, you know, letting it be known to all. You know, it's like a global post for those of you who are my age and above. Um, see, the devil desires to be noticed. He desires to elevate, be elevated in the high places. He desires to get recognition. And just as it is in all sin, it has its glory, but for a moment. This restrainer, the Antichrist will not uh, get the moment of self-satisfaction until the church is taken off the scene. The Thessalonians were told that they were going through this great tribulation. And Paul says that when he spoke to them personally, that he told them that the restrainer would have to be removed before the great tribulation started. That's pretty cool. I like that. See, they hadn't missed anything. The church of Thessalonica, you hadn't missed anything. They weren't living in the great tribulation. Whatever you're going through, and it might be a tough time, that's not the great tribulation. These events were still future. These events that they or we, we don't have to spend time hunting for the Antichrist because we already have the victor in Jesus. Look at verse 8. It says, And then the lawless, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and, the, and destroy the brightness of his coming. After the, re, the removal of restraint, this world is going to plunge in the, into a headlong into lawlessness. You think it's bad now. Think of the way it is now when there's no restrainer there. The man of sin will be revealed. Again, as I mentioned, planes crashing, things going on. Somebody's going to have to have the answer. And, and again, you know, things are going to be taking place where somebody's got to stand up and be seen. And he's already willing to do so, whoever he is. And this man's name, though never given in the Bible, is going to be known by his actions. He's the same person as spoken of in verse, verse 3. It's a powerful person who will be destroyed by the mere breath of Jesus Christ, the Antichrist may seem like he's got control of mankind now, but he'll be no match for Jesus in the end. So the question is, 
Who are we placing our trust in? Who are you placing your trust in? Verse 8 covers this seven-year career of the Antichrist. Those who don't, who, those who reject Jesus Christ, they're placing their hope in a failed system. He's got a limited seven-year plan, a seven-year career. From the time he makes that covenant, soon after the rapture, uh, you know, this will be a time that uh, he is over, he's going to be overthrown by Christ at the second coming at the end of the tribulation period. But the lawlessness, the lawless one will be revealed when the restrainer is removed. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who is sufficient. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who has supernatural power to do this restraining. So it's obvious. I love this because the, the, the removal of the restrainer at the time of the rapture must obviously precede the day of the Lord. And look at, at uh, verse 9. Because we'll wrap this up and look at their deception and their reward. He says, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Trying to prove that he's God, right? And with all unrighteousness, deception among those, churches out of there, those who perish because, listen, they, you might want to underline that, they did not receive the love of the truth that they, another one underlined, might be saved, and for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Again, the emphasis on they, them. They will be fooled because they did not believe the truth, They uh, that they might be saved. God will send a strong delusion upon them, uh, they might believe the lie because they took pleasure in unrighteousness. And so the delusion is brought upon the unsaved who will be going through the tribulation. For you and I who are born again, and those who will be born again today, those who will, who will uh, be born again in the future, listen, none of these things, nobody can snatch us out of his hand. We belong to him, and none of these things are going to take place upon us. Listen, I have a question I ask, and some of you, because you go through, you know, you know eschatology, eschatology is the end times, and you talk about this thing, and people have said, well, you know what, God's going to strong this, send a strong delusion upon it, so watch out, church. Why would God, even today, even in the end church today, this is the age of grace that we live in, why would God send a delusion so people are confused about his message today? Right? He died for the sins of the world. That whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but everlasting life. But when the age of grace is cut off, when the great tribulation starts, there's going to be this delusion. There's going to be this strong delusion out there that he will send upon us. And this is the reward of that last generation. Look, they're going to be not just, well, I don't know if I should go to church. I don't know, man, I'm kind of tired of games on, blah, blah, blah. They're going to be, I don't need God. And that's the way it's getting. That's the way the temperature is boiling. I don't need God. And they're in that place. So listen, you know, there, there, there is a wages of sin that's called death. So there's a reward for both those faithful and unfaithful. Those who belong to Christ and don't belong to Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The choice is ours to make. 
And God desires that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. And during this tribulation, everything will be foggy to those who are living through it. And though there will be some who are saved, it won't come easy. Listen, today is the day of salvation, is it not? If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you've walked away and you got your hands mixed up and stuff you shouldn't be in, listen, God loves you and he wants you to come back to him, but it's called repentance. It's not trying, oh, I'll stop doing this, I'll stop. No, you're being God. You're being the one who's calling the shots. It's plain out, just repent of your sin and come back to him. For the life of the Christian, listen, for you and I who are Christians, we've won, the, the battle's already won. We don't have to go through it no matter how bad things look. We don't go through this like, I wonder if I'm going to make it. I'm making it. I'm going through it. I, yeah, I might be going through it on earth, but it doesn't matter because I have heaven as a guarantee. Amen. I have Jesus as a guarantee that he'll always walk with me. It doesn't matter my goodness. I'm, try, I'm trying to live a life that he would be honored in, but it, you know, it, it doesn't matter how well I try. He's always with me. That's his promise. It's not predicated upon how well I can be or how well you can be. It's his word that says, I will always be with you. I never will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, but why do the Christians seem to give up so often? Why is it? One of the greatest problems for Christians is that we act as if we're still in the battle. And that, you know, we're still there. And we have, we have to show ourselves and prove ourselves to be victorious. Listen, we are more than conquerors. We have, we're victorious. We should be walking in victory. I don't win. I don't win every small battle, but I know the war is won. And so as I walk through here, you know, the little casualty, my pride gets insulted. My, you know, maybe there's some things I get unchecked, but it doesn't matter because I know we're won the war. And God wants us to move together through this world, being that bright light to others so that they'll understand. Listen, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And then just to close with this, I want to encourage you because in 2 Corinthians, or in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this letter. And he says that, you know, there was a guy who came in, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and he says, you know what, you, you know, he, you kick him out of the church. We'll just leave it, get him out of here. He had committed great sin. They were approving of it. And in 2 Corinthians, he writes this, he says, I've forgiven him. You guys need to forgive him as well. And listen, the bottom line in verse 11, I'll get to you. In verse 10, he says, for if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. There's a real battle out there. And Satan wants to destroy. He wants to come in. He wants us not to forgive, not to be Christ-like, not to be all these things. I'm saying, listen, Lord, have your way. Have your way in my life. Have your way in our lives that we might be more Christ-like because the devil has the, his, his greatest tool is deception. And he wants to deceive us. He wants you to think that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy enough, that you shouldn't be walking with God, that he'll never take you. That's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell, is it not? It's a big lie. And so this morning, it's like coming, you know, we have 2019, we're, at, we're here, we're saying, well, I'm closing this off, and I'm thankful, that, well, I just heard that the rapture may come at any moment, and I'm so thankful that God has me here in this message. 
that I can be forgiven, that I have to come to him and seek forgiveness. I want to be back on track. I want to, as the Thessalonians, no, you're not going through because you're going through the great tribulation. You're going through because Satan hates you. And you're part of the world hates you. And you're part of, uh, you know, just the, the very things that, that stand for God. So, of course, you're going to be in opposition. But this morning, we look and we say, God, help us. Help us to be the light that you created in us to be. doesn't matter how cracked up we are. The more cracked up we are and broken we are, the brighter the light shines through us. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would continue to minister to our hearts, that if anyone here... We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.